Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Genuine Judaism podcast, season four, episode five, the story of Paro, part two. Just a quick reminder, the reason that I chose Paro is so that we can understand the depths of the evil, which was perpetrated towards the Jews, against the Jews in Mitzrayim. There are many lessons that we can learn from somebody with such, um, such an obstinance against God's will. There are many lessons that we can apply, perhaps on a smaller scale, most likely on a smaller scale to ourselves. And hopefully we can learn that through the through delving into the Parsha, the text of the Parsha itself. And if I say anything that's not in the text itself, I will make that clear. And so that we can become better Jews through the study of Torah, as is always the goal. And as always, this the Genuine Judaism podcast can be found in all of your podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can... You can use uh, Alexa. You can use anything. You just say, hey, Alexa, hey, Google, and, you know, play the Genuine Judaism podcast, and it'll pop up right there. You can also visit us on our website and see some thoughts that I've had on the Parsha from previous years, um, <clears throat> some of which are better than others. But you can find all of those things on the Genuine Judaism website, which is genuinejudaism.org. And you can always get in touch with us at Delve deeper at genuinejudaism.org. Um, <clears throat> once again, that's delve deeper at genuinejudaism.org. Now let's quickly recap what we talked about last week. Last week we talked about this new paro, right? The these two new paros in Egypt, right? One who was alive and kind of his daughter raised Moshe, and the other one who, after Moshe fleed because the first paro was ready to kill him, he. Uh, what's it called? He was the one who went against what Moshe and Aaron said when they came back, and he was the one who increased the backbreaking labor of the Jewish people. So that's the second paro, right? That's where we left off. That the second paro no longer allowed the Jews to receive their materials for building these safe, these storage houses for paro of Pitom and Ramses, as they say. As the Torah says, that was the name of what we were building up, the cities we were building up. And so that's where we left off, right? And Moshe even says to Hashem, how can you do this to your people? Why did you send me? This is becoming out of my hands. So in this week's Parsha, as an introduction, there are seven plagues, right? This is the this is the showdown of the Exodus, right? This isn't the splitting of the sea, but this is the beginning of the showdown of the Exodus. The... This is where Hashem really comes into play as the historical God we view him as. We view him as much more, but we view Hashem as very involved in history. And so one thing we, sh- we should remember when going through the plagues is that there is a reason Hashem did not just, you know, let the Jews out and, you know, let Paro... Uh, just kill Paro and, you know, and kill the Egyptians and, you know, just decimate Egypt. First of all, we, I, I know that question comes up in all of our heads. It's as a Jew, that's, that's just a question you have to have. But I think that as you get older, you realize that I don't think people would be able to adjust to that new reality quickly. Like imagine if right now, like imagine if all the world leaders just like, you know, dropped dead and like all evils was just eradicated 
what would happen like, would people just be like oh yeah this makes sense and you know just kind of move on and like you know like really like just try to like have a moral order in place for everyone that's not human nature human nature is complicated your who says that the the prophet jeremiah says that the heart is the most complicated thing in the world it is, is the most confusing thing in the world and it says who can understand it but there was there was a reason that hashem stretched this out a little bit and it's because we needed to adapt to the one of the reasons i think is because we need to adapt to the reality that hashem is with us right now that's a lifelong challenge for many of us for almost all of us that hashem is always with us it's constant reaffirmation um, you know, when anything comes up in life, Baruch Hashem, and like we see it a lot, but sometimes we, you know, sometimes we see it more than others. But in a time when we were really just, you know, we had no standing in society except for our priestly, the priestly tribe has no standing in society. It's a very difficult thing to notice. So with that said, um, let's talk about Paro and the seven plagues and his reaction to each one of them. So I wish I could devote more time to this because, but really the best thing to do in terms of these seven plagues is really just to look in the text, because if you look in the text and you don't just read it, but you read it and try to imagine yourself as Paro and imagine, your, like, imagine all the surroundings, it would be unbelievable what, just how stubborn Paro had to be and just how intense this whole scenario must have been. So there are seven plagues, right? There's blood. There's frogs, as we know. This is the very simplified version. Blood, frogs, lice. There's um, the uh, there's the plague against the animals. There's the boils, right? I'm not going in order, I think. Let me see. I'm going to do the song. Right, so there's the... Right, okay, so there's the plague, and then there's uh, <clears throat> boils, and then there's the hail, okay? For those of you who know the song, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's a very famous preschool song. Um, it, it just helps me remember sometimes. But regardless, during each of these plagues, now it's important to know that Paro is listed in the Torah as, we all know that Paro hardened his heart, right? We all know that Hashem, it's a very complicated question, that Hashem hardened Paro's heart, that Paro hardened his own heart, and what this all means. But in the Torah, it's just important to note that Hashem is only written as having hardened Paro's heart, starting with the seventh plague of Barad, of Hail. In every one of the plagues before that, it says that Paro was just stubborn himself. He hardened his own heart. So let's go over what happened in each of the plagues. Plague number one, blood, right? So Moshe is commanded by Hashem. Moshe is commanded by Hashem to go to Paro and to tell him that, you know, all the rivers will run red, basically. And the Mitzrayim will have no water that... You know, everything is going to be just, the time is going to like not have any water and that everything is going to be blood all over Egypt. And so they did all of this, right? Everything, to the, the whole, all of the water in Egypt runs red with blood, everything, except for what the Jews have, right? Because this is, I mean, that's not in the text, but the only time in the text that it makes a differentiation between Jews and Egyptians starts with around the fifth or the sixth plague, if I'm not mistaken. But Regardless, it's a safe assumption to say that the Jews did not have to drink blood or did not suffer like this. Um, and so, you know, and then Paro has this game that he plays, right? In each of the plagues almost, he plays this game. Um, there's, there's usually a sequence to these plagues. Um, I'm going to upload actually a, uh, 
uh, a comprehensive overview of the sequence of what happened in each plague um, to the to the website. But there's there's this sequence that goes like this, right? Hashem tells Moshe to tell Aharon to do something, or Hashem tells Moshe to do something in order to initiate the plague. Then what happens is Hashem either tell just does it, you know, he just tells him to do it incognito or like warn Paro maybe. It's not not every time that he does that. Or Hashem tells Moshe to go confront Paro by the river, by the river where Paro goes in the morning. Um, I don't know what he was doing there. It doesn't say, but the, uh, <clears throat> the commentators are you know divided amongst that. The, the, the commentator that I remember, I believe is Rashi, who says that um, he went there to relieve himself in the morning because the Egyptian people thought he was a god and gods don't need to have human functions. So he would hide it in the morning and kind of, you know, and then go about his day. I don't know if that's what actually was going on, um, but that's one of the commentators. There's more discussion on this um, if you want to check it out. It's, it's rather interesting. Now, now, usually this is the sequence, right? That's the first part of the sequence. That's Moshe's side. Now, Paro's side is like this. Paro sees the plague, right? He doesn't really say he's affected too much, right? Um, but once it kind of gets like to a point where his people are really complaining and everything, um, that's not in the Torah, but you can probably assume that's what it is. Or like once it's getting just a little bit frustrating, Paro does one of two things. He either gets his sorcerers to mimic the plague. And if they're successful, usually he has like this kind of like, usually right after they're successful, it says that um, he hardens his heart. But when they're not successful, he still hardens his heart. So it doesn't really matter if they're successful or not. It's just an excuse, I guess, for him. So in the first plague of blood, the the uh, the sorcerers are able to duplicate the blood, the, the plague of blood, right? They they're able to do this rivers run blood, rivers run red type of thing. I don't know where they got the water to do it, but uh, that's that's a good question for a different time, I guess. And then they they were able to do it, and so Paro hardens his heart. Um, he tells Moshe and Aaron Moshe and Aaron to stop the plague because apparently the sorcerers couldn't do that. But he asked them to stop it, and they stop it. And you know, Paro still hardens his heart. Obviously, he's he's not he's not like letting us go because the rivers run red for a week. Like that's not happening. Egypt is way too uh, it's way too powerful for that. So now we have this. Now we have the second plague. I'm sorry. Sometimes I'm going to just go away from the mic a little bit because I have to look at my notes. So, um, basically you have to realize that Paro never actually asks the sorcerers to undo the plague. So maybe he was just so blinded by his uh, ego that he, that he was able to replicate it, that he just didn't want to admit defeat. So I, I don't know why he didn't even like think to ask his own sorcerers. I'm assuming that they couldn't, even if they tried, but it just shows his stubbornness. So now we have, so now Moshe and our own are uh, now the plague of blood stops, right? Paro hardens his heart. We know how this goes. And then, so Moshe and Aaron tell Paro, or Moshe tells Paro that, okay, so if you don't let us go, you're going to have an extreme issue because once all the blood is cleared out and all the waters come back, you're going to have amphibians or whatever, the reptiles. It depends on who you go by. We know them as frogs. It's just the easiest thing to say frogs. You're going to have like frogs. And remember, like frogs are like slimy, stinky creatures. It's not like pleasant to have frogs around you unless you're like one of those collectors. But like, if you live in a society just like full of frogs and slime everywhere that you go, I don't think you're gonna have a fun time. 
And um, I don't think anyone's going to have a fun time. I think it's going to be rather smelly. And that's what the Torah actually says. And you have to remember, Egypt was a big in the uh, was big in the spices and the herbs trade. Uh, we remember that Yosef uh, was taken into by a caravan of spice merchants to Egypt. So, yeah, having frogs in a in a land in a country that's known for its spice trade, like to stink up the place, is not not great for the economy and not great just for the for living there. So that's also not great. Um, so Paro sees his economy crumbling. You know, he says, okay, fine, whatever. Like, I'm not letting you go. Sorry. And uh, he doesn't say sorry. Uh, but then Moshe and, Moshe and Aaron, you know, they, they start the plague of frogs. And so it says that the frogs are everywhere in the bed and his chambers and their chambers. And like, you know, the servants, the, the sorcerers, the sorcerers are able to mimic the plague again. And so Paro just hardens his heart. But so, I mean, they, they get the plague to stop, right? And Paro even had the opportunity. Moshe told him, hey, how about you tell me where you want the plague, when you want the plague to end? Tell me what time. And uh, what's it called? We'll, like, just to prove to you that we can do this, like, tell us what time you want it to be over. And Paro, obviously, instead of saying right away, because it's a disgusting thing that's going on, he has to play this game, right? Paro just says, oh, yeah, you know what? Make it end, t- make it end tomorrow. You know, like, because he wants his, his, his entire country to suffer for one more day just to prove a point. Um, he's a true, he's a true, uh, true dictator, uh, to prove a point, just like to have another play going for a day, just to prove a point. So the, so Moshe does that, right? He dominates to Hashem and then the frogs, the, the frogs kind of all die and they have to like be gathered into piles. And it says that the lines, the land stank because of the frogs, like dead frogs stunk. I don't know what the previous, like what the, what the past tense of stink is, whatever. And then uh, you have the third plague, right? The third plague is the plague of lice. Okay. So Moshe, God tells Moshe to tell Aaron to hold out a staff and strike the dust of the earth and they will turn into lice all over Egypt. So it doesn't look like Paro was warned about this one. Um, and so the, so Paro played this game where he tries to, where the Egyptians try to undo the plague of lice, uh, where they try to replicate the plague of lice, and uh, they are not not successful. And they say this is the finger of God. So by Arya Kaplan in his in his Chumash, actually, he says that the word etzba, the word finger in ancient Egyptian culture, was like a sign of um, it was a sign of uh, like not revenge. Or what would you call it? I guess um, I think he said, oh, it's it's retribution. That's what it was. He says it's a sign of retribution. So they say this is the retribution of God or the finger of God. And Paro still hardens his heart and he's just like not having it. And he just asks motion. He, uh, and it looks like this one, it looks like this one uh, ended by itself. Some of the plagues end by themselves um, when Paro makes a decision, you know, like not to let the Jews go because if it's not working, all right, time for the next, time for the next, uh, time for the next uh, suffering or whatever torture that's happening. Um the plague is what I meant to say. I'm just speaking in like as if I were Paro. That's wrong. And so now there's the fourth plague, right? The fourth plague goes like this. Hashem tells Moshe to get up early in the morning and confront Paro by the river when he goes onto the water and tell him to let my people leave. And if you don't let them leave, I'm going to do this. I'm going to send a bunch of harmful creatures against you. You know, this was wild animals. This was that plague we all used to like, you know, like imagine just a bunch of tigers roaming the street. Like there was one tiger that was released one time. I remember in like New York 
and people were freaking out and they did not go outside. You know, this is like, like we're like a city. We have like car, like I know like tigers are extremely terrifying, but like we have armed personnel everywhere with guns, like, you know, but we need trained people to take down tigers. So imagine like if you just had a bunch of tigers taking down, like, you know, roaming the streets, like how terrified would you be? And uh, so then there was, so then, uh, and this is the first time actually Hashem says something uh, that is unprecedented, uh, unprecedented. He says that I will make a distinction between my people and your people. When Moshe goes down to power, this is what he tells him. Hashem is going to make a distinction between your people, between the Egyptians and between God's people, the Jews. And so he says that, um, like, you know, because obviously the Egyptians are going to be affected and the Jews are not, but it's going to be way more clear when you see that Goshen, the district of the Jews, has no wild animals running around, whereas the Egyptian, the Egyptian country, which is like right, like, you know, like right, it, which is, which Goshen is in, is completely, you know, it, it is completely covered in these wild animals. So now Paro is kind of just like, he's freaking out a little bit because the, the plague's going on. It's freaking him out. It's freaking people out. And he says to Moshe and Aaron, he summons them. He says, go, you have permission to sacrifice to Hashem, but you can only do it in Egypt. And Moshe's like, no, 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 no. That's not the game we're playing. Moshe says, we need to go out. Like that's, we need to go out into the desert and we need to sacrifice to Hashem there because that's what we're, that's what we, uh, that's what he told us to do. And Paro says, I'll let you leave as long as you don't go too far away. Then you can sacrifice to Hashem, your God, in the desert, but you have to pray for me. So even when he knows the place you're going to stop, he's just freaking out so much here. He says, you have to pray for me because, like, I don't want this to, you know, continue. He's having a little bit of, like, a, he's having a little bit of a realization that something's not right right now. But, of course, you can all predict. Um, Moshe says, when I leave your presence, I'm going to dive into Hashem. And, you know, tomorrow this is all going to be over, but it, don't ever lie to us again, refusing to let the people sacrifice. Like, don't, let, don't ever lie to us, sorry, refusing to let us sacrifice. So Moshe left Paro's presence and he prayed to Hashem and Hashem ceased the creatures. But guess what? Paro still hardened his heart. Wow, what a surprise. We all know this. Now the fifth plague, the boil. Oh, no, sorry, the, the, the plague like the actual plague, you know, the sickness, uh, like a virus or whatnot, um, <clears throat> whatever it was, an epidemic. So Hashem told, this this time Hashem tells Moshe to go to Paro and to tell him that if you don't let the people leave, then it will be directed against your livestock, right? So Paro's and Egypt's livestock and like all their, remember Egypt had horses, which were a crazy weapon back in the day because horses were an insanely quick and strong animal. Uh, they didn't need to, you know, be, be like really upkept that much. Um, like Egypt had war horses. This was a real thing. Like, you know, like it's a very, uh, it's very intense to have all of them die. And Hashem again will make a miraculous distinction between Israel's livestock and that of Egypt. And not a single animal, though, belonging to the Israelites will die. Hashem is going to distinct between the Jews and the Egyptians. So Hashem set a time already for this. And he is going to strike the land. He's going to, he's going to take the land out. He's going to, this epidemic is going to start tomorrow. So the next day it happened. Paro sent word and he discovered that he, he wanted to verify, like, is this true? Like, you know, like, the, like an epidemic is not something that just affects like one person and not another, you know, like it, it affects everybody. But he, he checked, you know, he checked and the Jews did not, were not affected. 
And so he didn't let the people leave. And uh, he it doesn't even like say that he asked Moshe and Aaron. He just said, no, I'm not letting the Jews leave. Like, regardless, like, you know, I'm, like he, he doesn't care. Okay. So on to the next one, right? So Hashem tells Moshe and Aaron, you take a handful of, oh yeah, this is, uh, this was um, an intense one also. Hashem, this was a very intense confrontation. Hashem tells Moshe and Aaron uh, to tell, Sorry, uh, he says motion arrow to motion arrow that he's gonna, they're going to take a like a fistful or two fistfuls of soot, um, or like ashes or embers, whatever, and they're going to go and confront Paro and they're going to throw it up in front of his face, like towards the sky, and everyone's going to get boils, right? Like boils are just such a an, an intense, an intense like sickness. I don't even know how to describe it. Like an intense like pain. Like if you look up what boils are like nowadays, first of all, nowadays they're much less intense than they were back in the day. But if even if you look them up nowadays, like I don't know how people survive these things. They're just painful. Like they just, you, you can't function. And to the extent that you can't function, you know, it says that in the Torah that the Egyptian sorcerers couldn't even be summoned to replicate the plagues because of how much pain they were in. Like boils are such an intense thing. So you see Paro is just like seeing everything crumble in front of them, Right. And so this time, though, this time, okay, the sixth plague is where it happens, right? So now Paro's scared, right? Because his right-hand men are no longer there. His only source of protection or, like, you know, self-assurance about the Israelites against the Israelites are not really there. And so this time the Torah says Hashem made Paro stubborn. Hashem hardened Paro's heart. So if you want a whole the whole free will debate thing, that's that's a topic for commentaries. It's not it's not the point of this podcast right now. And if you want to reach out to me about it, we can definitely discuss it. I'm very happy to delve deeper at genuinejudaism.org. Anyways, so now we have okay, so this is where it gets really intense, right? The the next plague, the seventh plague, we already covered six. So remember it's blood and frogs, lice, um, wild animals, epidemic. And now it's boil. Then it was boils, and now it's going to be the hail, the mystic hail, right? Um, so it doesn't actually say hail with fire just yet. It just says hail, but we find out that it's hail with fire in the next ep- in the next. Um, I was about to say episode in the well the next episode of the podcast, I guess, but in the next partial. So that's where we find it. So Hashem told Moshe to get up early in the morning, and he tells him to go to Paro and tell him something. Like, he tells him like this. He says, "You have to let my people go." This time, it's not going to be like all the other times. I am sending all my, like the full force of my plagues, I am sending against you. Like of my wonders, of like of my plagues, I'm sending against you. Like the full force. Before, everything you saw until now was nothing. It was like, like to Hashem, everything is like, you know, nothing. Like you can do anything you want, right? But like to Paro, you know, like all, everything that you saw beforehand was nothing. It was like the smidge of power that was just sent against you. Right, so he, Hashem tells him, "I could have unleashed my power, killing you and all your people already. The only reason you're alive is so that people know what happened, right? Is so that people are very aware that I am with my that I am with the Jewish people, and you know that, that I'm, that's the implication that I'm with my Jewish people. So now, but still, you're you're being stubborn and you're you're keeping the Jews imprisoned. So I'm gonna bring a hill tomorrow." This hail, there was nothing like it since the day Egypt was founded. Nothing like it. And, you know, it's a very, very dramatic scene. And so it says that 
you know, you should tell the people that they should bring in their livestock and everything that they have inside because this hail is going to affect everything that's outside. And so it says something very interesting in the Parsha. It says that all those who feared God's word, who were aware, who yare God's word, they brought their livestock and their family and their cattle inside. But it says those who did not pay attention to God's word left it outside. Right, so this is just a nice little tidbit that Yira, you know, people translate it as fear, but it really means awe and awareness. Noah Weinberg has great thoughts on that. Um, but yeah, you should definitely look into that. But it's just an interesting thing. And so now this is, the plague didn't start yet, right? But this is what, so this is how the plague starts. So Hashem tells, obviously Parasol didn't let them out. Hashem tells Moshe to stretch his hand out to the sky and the entire Egypt will be covered with hail. It'll fall on both men and it'll fall on animals. And then all the plants that are outdoors in Egypt, right? everything that's outside. So Moshe points his staff toward the sky. He stretches out his hands and thunder and lightning are just caused, right? And there's like hail with lightning flashing among the hailstones. That's what the Arya Kaplan Torah says. It was unlike anything Egypt had ever seen since it became a nation. Not like nothing. It was unbelievably heavy. Like, this is not a place that gets hail, by the way. You know, like, maybe they get, like, a flake once every decade. But, like, hail of that extremity, it's, it's not a thing. And so throughout all of Egypt, the hail killed every single man and animal who was outdoors. It destroyed everything that was outdoors. Everything. It smashed all these fields. Do you know, you know how strong hail has to be to smash a tree? That's what the, the Torah says, that it smashed trees. <coughs> You know how big that chunk of hail has to be to smash down a tree? Like, or those chunks of hail have to be? It's unbelievable. But only in Goshen, there was mm-hmm. no hail. So imagine, like, you're, it's like those scenes in, like, movies or, like, you know, like, little, like, TV shows where, like, this, like, the main character is, like, uh, I don't know, kind of, like, protected when it's raining or, like, you know, uh, by, like, a little, or, like, or by, like, a little uh, cloud or, like, you know, something like that. Where, like, and, like, they have a little paradise while everything around them is just, like, falling to pieces. Um so that, it's kind of like Goshen, right? Nothing is nothing is happening to them. And so Paro sent word to Moshe and Aaron now, right? He's, this is something new, right? He's not prepared for this. He says to them, this time, he says something very interesting. He says, it's, it's this first seeming, the, the first time it seems Paro repents. He says that this time I'm guilty. Hashem HaTzadik. Hashem is the righteous one. He's just. I and my people are evil, Right? Please, please daven to Hashem because there has been enough of this. I will let you leave and you will not be delayed again. Paro seems to be humbling himself a little bit. He's, he's finally getting it. You know, I'm not giving him credit for it. I think like still, you know, and given the circumstances, you should have done it a while ago. But it's still worthwhile to note that even dictators can fall given enough, <clears throat> given enough uh, pressure uh, and the will of God, obviously. So Moshe says to Paro, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stop. I'm going to go out of the city and I'm going to spread my hands and the thunder will stop and there's not going to be any more hail. But Moshe says, I know that you're still not, you don't really fear God because there are people who still left their livestock outside, you know. It's not how this works. I feel like the implication is he feels like it's not going to work. And so it says that everything was destroyed, like all the produce in Egypt was destroyed. And so Moshe left the city and as soon as he spread his hands out to God, the thunder 
ceased and the hail stopped falling to the ground. But when Paro stopped and he saw that there was no more, when Paro saw that the hail stopped, he continued his sinful ways. And they continued to be, he continued to be stubborn along with his officials. And he did not left, let the Egyptians leave. He did not let the Jews leave as Hashem had predicted. So this is a very intense Parsha. And just remember that, just remember that even someone like Paro, even when the, you, we can be as stubborn as to like, you know, there's always that one guy in like a conversation who like, no matter how many positive things, sometimes it's me, but whatever, <laughs> no matter how many positive things are said to him or about the current situation in general, he'll always find like a way to touch it up. And what that means like to, to kind of like twist it and make it like a little bit, you know, like, like he'll find, he'll find the pessimism in an optimistic situation. There's always that guy. Like, you know, I'm not like some people are just wired that way to like, you know, just not like to just to have that. Like, you know, I, I know that I have that also, like, I'm not like claiming to be free from that, but there's something of, like, there's something about that. That's similar to the stubbornness that Paro had. And that's something we all have to realize for ourselves that, even when the whole world, the might of God is against you, right? Like the might of God is trying to like show you something. If we don't want to open our eyes to see it, we're not going to see it. And the second it disappears, we're definitely not going to see it. So this is just like, it's also like a nice little warning label, right? Despite, uh, besides being this, this historical event of the Jews being protected by God, it's also this little warning label, you know? You know, we, we like to think we're not like par. We like to think we're not like any of these dictators. And the truth is, like, you know, we all have these little parts of ourselves that act in some ways like these dictators. You know, like, they might not be, they're definitely not as broad as the dictators, right? I think that's definitely true. But I think it would be ignorant to deny that we all have the similar evil inclinations. You know, there's like this line from a TV show. I think it's, I don't remember where it's from. I think it was The Witcher or something. It's just like, you know, evil is evil, you know, whether it's less or more or this in like the middle. It's evil is evil. That's just what it is. And the goal of Jews is always to, work on ourselves to understand that we can never be perfect but minimizing evil is always a good pursuit and pursuing virtue and pursuing god's which is which are god's ways is the way to is the way to run is the way to live your life and um hopefully through paro we understand that we have some kind of maybe similar tendencies sometimes on a smaller scale and just how stubborn the human heart can be when it wants to be because in the seventh plague even in the plague of hail it doesn't say hashem pardon paro's heart you know, even with all the God's might against him, it said that Paro hardened his own heart. So I know that I know that not a, whatever people have interpretations of whether he did, uh, whether Hashem did harden Paro's heart or not here, but I'm telling you what the text says. And it's just a warning sign to us. Remember that we should always, we should always remember that we have Hashem on our side. And uh, with that, I wish everybody a great Shabbat and have a great, great day. And, um, Oh yeah, I guess happy fake New Year's. All right, have a good have a great job.